Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren here with my co-host Brian McNichols. Hello. And today we are talking about Old Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom Park in Walt Disney World. If you missed our last episode, we answered your questions on Facebook, so you can check that out. And today, we're just going to bring you on a tour, like I said, of Old Fantasyland. We're going to give you a history of what used to be there and what's there now before the addition, I guess, of, yeah, you know, what was there? Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Be Our Guest, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So up until yeah, then. Yeah, we, we did one. Um, and and the, the second part of our, our Q&A will be out. Uh, that will be the next episode that comes out. So mm-hmm. all those questions we didn't get to then, we will get to next week. We had to break Fantasyland up a little bit because we went so long talking about the land and Epcot a few episodes ago that we were very afraid what would happen if we tried to do all of Fantasyland at once. Yes. So. There's so much to talk about. Even in this episode, we're like, okay, how are your people going to listen? But I think it's interesting. Brian thinks it's interesting. So hopefully you yeah. do too. Yeah. And we're going to focus mostly on on the Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World just because that's that's what we know better. But it definitely does tie into a lot of stuff at Disneyland as mm-hmm. well. For sure. Why don't you give a little bit of a background and then we'll jump right in. So, all right, I'm immediately going to start talking about Disneyland's Fantasyland then. <laughs> right. Which, of course, predates the Walt Disney World version by... 14 years, 16 years there. That's how math works. (laughs) And Fantasyland at Disneyland was never exactly what Walt wanted it to be. When they kind of got down to it, they did have a limited amount of money and time. They famously were like pouring concrete the day before Disneyland opened, which we might see again with Galaxy's Edge, Mm -hmm. but they were short on time. They were way over budget. So what they ended up compromising on with Fantasyland was they kind of made it look like medieval traveling tournament tents. So if they were, if there was a, a tournament in medieval times, you know, visiting knights and, and that would set up these tents and they would have the competitions under these that would be set all in the, the castle courtyard. So that's kind of what it was meant to look like. They didn't quite fit with the theme of the rides inside being all fantasy-based rides off of of old fairy tales and Disney films based on those fairy tales, of course. But when they came around to building the Disney World version in 1971, they kind of mixed the two. So they have like some more permanent looking structures and then there are, but there are definitely tent roofs in, in some of the structures as well. Now, 1983 in Disneyland, they completely redid Fantasyland. I mean, top to bottom. So now it has more storybook facades and things that look, you know, for instance, the the Pinocchio ride has more of a German half-timbered look because that's where the movie takes place and things like that. Where the Magic Kingdom, they just never really did much with it. So it still kind of looks a little bit like a medieval tent and like some extra castle Mm -hmm. motif, but it's not really congruous and it doesn't necessarily fit with the rides inside all the time. You know, between 2010 and 2014, Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom went through a very large expansion, but that is a story for another time. Well, and you know, what you just said really brings me to a question my sister-in-law asked because I was just there with her. Why do they have that extra castle structures in Fantasyland, not too far from the castle? Do you know why that is? 
I think they're just supposed to be kind of the walls. Like that's part of what they built with with the newer section is like those kind of walls that extend out, which you know I'll look into more when we do the other half of Fantasyland eventually. But I think they're just supposed to be you know like the way castles were, were built. They had the keep in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of the the main fortification, and then they had you know the courtyard, and they had extra walls outside for defense and things like that. So I think they're supposed to kind of just be that secondary or what's left of that those secondary walls like you would have in a, a real castle. But it's kind of hard to read some of Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and I know that you can meet the three fairies there occasionally and definitely the fairy godmother shows up around those walls. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's jump into dining. Let's start with Pinocchio Village House. So what I like about this is that depending on where you're sitting, there are glass windows that look into It's a Small World, which mm-hmm. I, I remember doing a Facebook Live where Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, where I tried the different cookies there. And it was a nice view for everyone to kind of see inside there. But this is a really easy stop for families in fantasy land. It's usually crowded and kind of hard to find seating, I've found. But it is one credit on the Disney dining plan. You can get things like flatbread pizzas, chicken nuggets, salad sandwiches. And it's roughly about 7 to $13 for an adult. And just so you know, when I laid out the outline for this, I did everything kind of from west to east. So the side where like It's a Small World is over to as far as we're going, which is the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So if you're wondering why these are organized that way, it's more just so make sure we hit everything. Yeah, Pinocchio Village House, I do like those windows that look into it's a small world. A lot of times they will have like signs there that will say different things, you know, like clap your hands. That you can hold up for the people on can, the ride. Can, yeah. And my kids absolutely adore annoying everybody on the ride with that. <laughs> the food there is not great it's very standard like kind of theme parky like overcooked stuff and we generally recommend that if you can go somewhere else just do it but uh, i've certainly eaten there plenty of times just because it was close and i didn't really care what i ate at the time so yeah i mean i i ate at a cosmic rays for quick service and that was that was good So that's where I ate, if you're wondering. No one was asking, but I just offered that (laughs) up. Uh, And we're talking about Fantasyland, so let's keep going with that. Cinderella's Royal Table, that is a place I did eat at on my last trip. This is a character meal in the castle, Cinderella's Castle. And like Brian wrote, that's all that really matters. Although the food is above average, which I would agree with, and you meet five princesses. The cost for adults is about 60 to $65 for breakfast, 70 to $80 for lunch and dinner, and kids are about $35 to $45. Breakfast times are 8 to 10.15 a.m., lunch is 11.40 a.m. to 2.50 p.m., and dinner is 4 p.m. to 10.20 p.m. It is two credits for the Disney dining plan. Tables in Wonderland is accepted. You will get 20% off. And they have food like the beef tenderloin, which is steak, because I got that. There's Mm -hmm. salmon, which is delicious, lamb chops, chicken strips for kids, baked pasta for kids, stuff like that. Speaking since I was just there, it is a really nice experience. I really don't have much bad to say about it other than I think they do need to redecorate. I think it's time. I mean, 
meeting the princesses really? is great, but I don't know. I don't really like the inside that much. I mean, when you look up, there's a bunch of flags and I mm-hmm. kind of get that, but I think they could just do maybe a little more in there, but that's just me. Let me know if you guys agree by using uh, hashtag TPPOD on either Twitter or Instagram. I don't think I agree. I think I actually like the way it looks inside. I think it's still, it kind of looks like a, ca- a nicer version of a castle, which I guess is probably exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I've actually, I've eaten there quite a few times. I actually ate there once back under the original restaurant, which was King Stefan's Banquet Hall uh, in, in 1984, which is always hilarious because King Stefan is the king from uh, Sleeping Beauty. He doesn't even go there. And why he has a castle, a, a banquet hall in Cinderella Castle and not Sleeping Beauty Castle. Uh, Makes no sense. Interesting. All I really remember from that, because I was five, I think, at the time, and um, all I really remember from that was that the drinks were all served in like very heavy goblets. Cool. And I was very impressed by that. But yeah, I don't remember. I'm not sure exactly. I couldn't find exactly when it was changed to Cinderella's Royal Table. Uh, it hasn't changed too much in what it is and it, what it is is mostly a character meal it is very expensive the food is itself is good but not worth the price so <laughs> this is the type of thing if you really want to meet the princesses especially want to meet them in the castle then by all means do it if you are just going for the food uh, you're better spending your money elsewhere mm-hmm. that is absolutely true you're paying to eat in the castle to meet the princesses with good food, but food alone is not worth the price. I mean, I, I get as far as the theming and the decorations that it is because it's in a medieval castle. But I don't know. I, I Maybe I wish there were more like chandeliers or something. I, I, I don't know. Maybe a little more whimsical because it's princess related. I don't know. Something about it. I just, I just think it needs to be a little different. But the view, especially if you get seated by the window, which I never have and I hope to one day, it's just, oh, really? it's just gorgeous. Last time we were there, we did, this was uh, maybe two years ago, we did a pre-rope drop breakfast, so like an 8 a.m. breakfast, and got to sit by the window, and it was, you can't see a ton out of the windows, honestly, because they're very, they're pretty heavily stained, but but it was still nice just looking out into a pretty much empty fantasy land uh, back there, and it was, I, I can't find exactly what was refurbished, but it was, it was closed for refurbishment for two months in 2015. So my guess is it's been, it was, the inside was probably redone around then. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's due for one for quite a while. No. And we, we ate at night. So when we looked outside, uh, yeah. it was all lit up and you, and you kind of got to see that castle know. lighting. So it was very beautiful, yeah. but yeah, those are our thoughts on it. As far as if it's worth it, breakfast is definitely going to be cheaper though. If, yeah. if you're thinking about it. Well, and you get the added advantage as long as you're going when it's not an extra magic hour or an early morning magic, which it's it's harder to find days that are neither of those. You can get that 8 to 8.30 reservation, mm-hmm. show up at 8 anyway, which is what I always do. I'll get an 8.50 reservation and just show up at 8 mm-hmm. anyway. And then you can get off and, and start riding some of the Fantasyland rides a little early yep. too. So Absolutely. Always a good plan. The Friar's Nook is a place I have never been to. I've never tried. I don't think I have either, actually. We need to do this because they have loaded tater tots. I know. Which sound delicious. They do. They they look good. Like the pictures of them look pretty good, too. Oh, my gosh. It sounds amazing. And they have a fried Twinkie, which doesn't sound as good. But, I mean, just, I mean, they have fair 
food is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of sticks in that that medieval fair theme with with this. But yeah, when I was, it, it's funny when I was reading this and it said it had loaded tater tots, and I thought, oh, that sounds really good. I know, like I kind of want that right now. Actually, it's one credit on the Disney dining plan, and uh, is about nine to eleven dollars depending on what you get. But yeah, you and I really haven't tried this and I could not think where it's located, but I think it's on the back of storybook treats, like on the other side. Yeah, kind of. If you're facing like the entrance to Seven Doors Mine Train and then you turn around, it's pretty much right in there, like kind of in between the exit for many adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the Princess Fairytale Hall. There are the two places. There's the, the one we're about to talk about, Storybook Treats, and then Friar's Nook has Friar's Nook just has a few extra windows there, but there's not really like any seat. There's a couple tables, but there's not really any seating or anything there, which is probably why I've never really tried it because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, Florida, you don't usually want to stand outside and eat. So no, and it's nothing um, I ever hear people be like, "Gosh, you got to go to the Friar's Nook for this." So. It's never nothing I've thought about. They're loaded buffalo chicken tots with like buffalo chicken and, and blue cheese on them and celery. Apparently we're sleeping on the fryer's nook. We got to stop doing this over lunch, by the way. I know. I'm starving. I had string cheese. That did not do it for me. All right. Well, let's go into storybook treats because this is somewhere I have been. They have sundaes, fudge brownies, strawberry shortcake, floats and shakes, a lot of desserts. They have the Peter Pan float and the Tinker Bell ice cream thing, two things that I have had and are both delicious. So I'd highly recommend both of those. Uh, they have Disney dining plan snack items here. And basically everything here is about 3 to $6. Have you gotten anything here? My kids definitely have. My kids will occasionally get, you know, we'll get them some ice cream or a milkshake or something from there. There's a su- surprisingly few places that you can get ice cream that isn't in bar form mm-hmm. in Disney World, and this is one of them. So yeah, we've we've been there a few times. Yeah, I've been there once. Gosh, I need to like up my food game. Well, it's hard. The, the Magic Kingdom is one of those weird places where. There's quite a few quick service and you just don't really think about some of these smaller places sometime. The next one actually is another one that I don't think I've ever eaten at before. No, this is a, well, depending how you say it, Cheshire or Cheshire Cafe. I, I always just say Cheshire, but which is I think how the English would pronounce it. But I think they do yeah. too. This is a snack stand at... Now, this is kind of where you can meet Merida, very close to that, at the intersection of Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, where you can get juice, slushes, cold brew coffee. This is a place I need to go to. Everything looks good here. And then there's a a Cheshire Cattail, which I have seen. It's a pastry with creamy chocolate filling, and then it has that purple and pink icing. Mm -hmm. They have Disney Dining Plan snacks. Again, things are 3 to $6. And... I saw that you wrote it used to be called the Enchanted Grove. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really a story there other than that that's what it was called up until I think up until a few years ago. So okay. that's more for if anybody remembers it as that, that's what it was. And yeah, this is kind of as you're actually walking coming from the hub, if you take kind of the second entrance from the right. So not the one that goes directly in the Tomorrowland, but the next one, it will go, you'll be, you'll walk past the Merida meet on your left, and then it will kind of be the next thing you come up mm-hmm. to on, on your left before you get 
and then as you kind of go around the corner, you'll get to the Mad Tea Party there. So mm-hmm. it's just barely in fantasy land. But yeah, there's another place that I think other than maybe getting some drinks or something from, I don't think I've really ever gone there. And I've seen pictures of the Cheshire Cattail but didn't actually know where it came from. Yeah, and I think with a lot of these quick service places in Fantasyland, you can get a lot of sweets. Well, I mean, specifically. Like yeah. with Well, actually, most of them now that I'm looking, and I'm not a sweets person. So the Friar's Nook, that's with those tater tots, that's why it looks like a place for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't really choose to go to these places for that reason. That's kind of how I am. I'm not really a sweets person either, but my wife and daughter very much are. And I have a feeling that Cheshire Cattail is something they would be interested in. Yeah, so. next trip for sure. There are more places to eat in Fantasyland, but that's it for the kind of old sections. So mm-hmm. I just want to keep reminding people that we're only doing the old section because I know they're thinking, what about Be Our Guest? Um, yeah, we'll definitely cover that in the next, in the new Fantasyland podcast episode. Let's cover the attractions now. We are going to fit in those historic attractions in between what's already mm-hmm. there. So, And there's quite a few more than I thought there were in this section. I know, me too. Actually, there is a ton. That's going to be the biggest chunk here. So let's start with the Skyway, which I did not even know was there. So Yeah, again, we're going kind of west to east through Fantasyland here. It just seemed to be the easiest way to organize it for me. But uh, yeah, the Skyway was an original opening day attraction, 1971. Uh, it lasted until 1999 running that is so the skyway was you know you probably all can picture a skyway from you know a theme park Mm -hmm. a lot of them still have them i know hershey park here in pennsylvania still has theirs and it's just you know the little cars open air cars you sit in and it goes on a little cable you know it's very much like the skyliner the gondolas they're building now on a much smaller scale and it connected right from the edge of Fantasyland to Tomorrowland, kind of in front of Space Mountain area. It was running until 1999, but it sat unused until 2012 when it was demolished and made way for a bathroom, but a really, really nice one. Yeah, that's always busy, but we can't talk about it yet because it's new fantasy land. Well, I don't know. The Tangled Restroom, I feel like I mean, that's it's gray area, I guess. Yeah, that's that's in the old section. I think we should I think we should cover right. that one now, right. probably. You'll get to hear about it then. Yeah. Tangled restrooms, probably nicest bathrooms in Magic Kingdom. Most fun, I guess, because it, there's I mean, the, ex- the exterior, they're definitely the nicest exterior. It's yeah. It's been kind of a running joke that they built this whole area that's like really nicely themed and it's basically like a sitting area and bathroom. But you know, I mean, I'd rather my bathrooms look really nice than not. So I know I'll take it. It's like a great place to take pictures, which is so funny because it's a bathroom and mm-hmm. I so wish I'm sure I'm not alone. So wish you could go inside the tower, do something with it, but you really can't. No, there's not much to do there. There's There are in the one section kind of as you're facing the bathrooms, if you kind of look over your left, back over your left shoulder, there's like a, a little seating area there. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, there's some logs there that have consoles on them with charging ports in them. Yep. Not all of them work, but yeah, so you can kind of sit there in the shade a little bit and, and charge your phone. They charge pretty slowly, I will say but they do charge and there's some water fountains in there. So like it's kind of a break area. It's also where a lot of the, you know, stroller parking is in there, but 
for the most part, it's it's a bathroom. And yeah, it's always a very busy section. Yeah. And for me, when it comes to going to the bathroom in Fantasyland, it's just the fastest place for me to run to because I know where it is and it saves time for me looking around anywhere else in Fantasyland. Otherwise, I guess I don't know where the other bathrooms are there. The bathrooms in this section of Fantasyland are tangled toilets and right by the Pinocchio Village House. Like if you're facing oh. Pinocchio Village House, they're just to the right there. Oh, I was so close to those like three times and I walked yeah. all the way they're to kind, the tangled they're, one. They're a little behind the building. Like you, it's, you can't quite see them from the path there. I think right by the Cheshire Cafe, I think there are bathrooms right there too. But I think that might be it for this section of Fantasyland. Okay. Fantasyland has shockingly few bathrooms considering yeah. how family friendly it is. No, I agree. I've always found it really difficult to find bathrooms, but... That's that's more than I thought we would talk about bathrooms, actually, in this episode. <laughs> it's probably a good thing to mention because uh, it is one of those things that everybody eventually wants to know where the bathrooms yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was challenging for us. But yeah, let's move on to It's a Small World. Uh, well, there are no previous attractions for this one. This was an opening day attraction that has been there the whole time. The only real difference is that in, I think it was in 2010, that seems to be what I could find, they switched the queue around. So it used to be now, if you're thinking about the It's a Small World at the Magic Kingdom, you walk in, you kind of go in on the left-hand side, mm -hmm. and you walk over the water and down that big ramp. And that used to be the exit. And what is now the exit used to be the entrance, and it never quite made sense mm -hmm. that the exit was longer than the entrance. Yep. And eventually they realized that that didn't make sense, and they switched it. Yes. So. But um, It's a Small World is a indoor attraction. It's where you're in a small boat, carries you on a tour around the world with singing and dancing dolls, and a song that you will never get out of your head. And I feel <laughs> like every single person maybe in the world knows the song or might have heard it. It's just like everyone knows it. It was first introduced at the 1964 New York World's Fair. And then the original exhibit was moved to Disneyland. And that is one that I want to go on. I think I went on it maybe when I was seven or eight. And I have no memory of it at all. But it's open for morning and evening extra magic hours. It offers Fast Pass Plus. And a good time to go on it is probably... It's a small world. You can go on basically anytime. They, unless you're there on like Christmas week or Easter, there's really not going to be more than maybe a 20 or 25 minute wait maximum, in, even in the middle of the day. That's usually one that you can save for like later morning or like early evening kind of thing. So yeah, it's not too bad. It, and it moves very quick. It unloads kind of slowly. You always get on faster than you get off the attraction. So there are t definitely times where you will be sitting in the final all white area for, you know, 10 minutes or so, just listening to the song over and over again while they're unloading boats in front of you. But, you know, you'll get on quick anyway. And that's normally when I reach, reach my limit with the song is when I'm mm -hmm. in that last room and then always the boat's stall for that long. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is if you do use a fast pass and they scan your magic band, your name might show up in that final room where they say goodbye to you in all the different languages, which yeah. did happen to me on my last trip. So that was cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I don't mind like the song. I actually don't mind because they do each room kind of switches it up a little bit. So like yes. the, the South Pacific room, there's no words. It's just like the drum beat of the song. Yeah. That and is neat. So it, it's enough that you don't, you're not hearing, but yeah, that, that last room is the killer. If you get, 
if you are pulling into the last room and it's just a line of boats in front mm-hmm. of you, that's when it really can can start to to bore into your head to a little kind of bit. grind on you. But no, I agree. I think in Disneyland Paris, the is the entire song in French. Oh, you know what? I don't. I was. It was. Just, it was just a little over a year ago. I was on it. And I honestly don't remember. I think it changes because they they have a little bit more cultural representation there than they do in our like there's just some more areas kind of and i believe it changes there as well but i don't remember offhand both the uh, disneyland paris and the disneyland versions you start outside which is is cool yeah uh, which you can't really do in florida because they'd have to shut it down half the time for thunderstorms (laughs) yeah and it it lights up at night and i believe the disneyland Mm -hmm. version is decorated for christmas as well, it's a Christmas the Dis- they have a holiday. They have a holiday version, yeah. Well, the Disneyland version, they also have, it is the original version in Bones, but they actually added characters to it. So like in the South Pacific, saying, uh, like Lilo and Stitch are in there. Like there's a, there's a part where there's somebody riding a surfboard that kind of tilts back and forth. And that is, is I believe Lilo. It's either Lilo or Stitch. I think it's Lilo oh. on the surfboard in, in the Disneyland version. And like Donald Duck, I think is in with three caballeros in like the South America, you know, Central America part, you know, which I imagine didn't go over great when they added those, but it is cute. And my, another thing that my kids enjoy. Oh, that's so cool. Finally, you must transfer to a wheelchair and audio description and handheld captioning is available for this attraction. All right. All right. Another original. Oh gosh. These next two that we're going to talk about are my favorite in fantasy land, in old fantasy land. Peter Pan's flight. Take it away, Brian. This is another original attraction from 1971. Fantasyland has probably more of these than than anywhere else, yeah. although I didn't actually look into that, so that might not be true. But <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I'll, I'll let Angela describe it. The only real change that in 2014 they did a completely new queue. Oh, it's for so it. good. So it used to just be the old style switchbacks that were all open air. So it used to get real hot in there, and um, and that line just it, it gets a very long line, which is partially that it is still popular people very much enjoy it but also it is kind of an old ride system it was built before they had any idea of how many people you actually wanted to get through the ride per Mm -hmm. hour so it just has a fairly low throughput so people would be waiting for like an hour in these switchback lines it was it was awful so in early 2015 they opened the new queue so now it is mostly inside and air-conditioned it features walking through the uh, Darlings Street and then their home, and it has some interactive elements where uh, you can get sprinkled with pixie dust, or you can kind of, you know, there's one part I don't even know how to describe it. You kind of like pose in front of like this one piece of wall, and and it will do different things depending on what you hit. You can reach your hand up and ring like shadowy bells, and you'll hear the bell sounds and stuff. Yeah, very very neat cue actually. It is. It's very cool, and the ride is just ultimate Disney nostalgia for so many. The indoor ride begins in the Darling family's house before you take a relaxing trip in the flying pirate ship. You go over old London and then to Never Neverland where Peter saves Wendy from walking the plank. 
and Captain Hook rehearses for dancing with the stars on the snout of the ubiquitous crocodile. I'm reading, I'm reading from something and did not expect to see that. But yes, that is that is the write up from the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World and uh, touringplans.com. In fact, but it's true. Yep. Captain Hook is basically doing the splits on the snout of the crocodile of TikTok the Croc. Mm-hmm. It's not a modern ride like we've talked about, but that's exactly why so many people like it. I mean, it has stayed exactly the same. So you really get a taste for what it was like on opening day and what the original Mm -hmm. rides were like. And I think, you know, I really hope Disney continues to keep those kind of rides because that's, you know, that's the nostalgia. That's what it's all about. And people, people enjoy that. That's why the line continues to be busy all day. And we would suggest riding the first 30 minutes the park is open during the parade or just before the park closes. Mm-hmm. It's open for morning and evening, extra magic hours. Fast pass is offered, which is another great thing to do. You must be ambulatory. So you're able to get out of a wheelchair at ECV. Audio description, handheld captioning are available. And no service animals can be on it because you are hovering over yeah. something. And that that scene right in the beginning when you go, you know, flying over London is always just a really, really cool scene. Can you imagine what that was like, you know, right in the 70s? Mm-hmm. Or in the 50s when it opened in, oh, right. in Disneyland. Right. You know, it, it's, it's one of the rides that I'm not the most nostalgic person, but I also hope they never really get rid. You know, I'd like, I like that they keep at least a couple of rides that are the old style, as long as they're still popular. You know, if, if all of a sudden the weights went down to like nothing, then okay, I understand. Like you can't just keep a dead attraction there, Mm -hmm. but that is not the case with Peter Pan. That's for sure. No, it's always busy. All right, moving on to what is now Mickey's Philhar Magic, which was just added to Disneyland. Like last yes, week? that's right. Yeah, Disney's California Adventure got the slightly uh, different Mickey's Philhar Magic. It doesn't quite use all the effects of the version in the Magic Kingdom. But yeah, it was very, very recently. So yeah, now this one was uh, is definitely not an original attraction. It was several things, in fact. It was Mickey Mouse Review from 1971 to 1980. And that is a very, very cool show that I would suggest you looking up on, on YouTube if you're interested. It was It featured over 20 animatronics, and they sang favorite Disney songs in... 1983, that show moved to Tokyo Disneyland, and the three caballeros that you see at the end of the Grand Fiesta Tour now in the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot were originally animatronics from the Mickey Mouse Review. Oh, wow. And they were just in storage since it closed in Tokyo Disneyland. It's a, yeah, very cool. After that, so it was it was apparently vacant for seven years. Hmm. And then in 1987, uh, which are now it, it seems almost ridiculous that something would be vacant for that long, right. except for except for Stitch's Great Escape, apparently. Yeah. Then in 1987, it, it became Magic Journeys, which was actually an opening day attraction for Epcot in the theater that is in the Imagination Pavilion. And then in 87, it moved to the Magic Kingdom so that it could make way for Captain EO. And that lasted until 1993. In 1994, Legend of the Lion King took over. This is one that a lot of people remember because it was there from 94 to 2002. And it was uh, a puppeted version of the Lion King, you know, the short version. Not 
too dissimilar from the Finding Nemo, the musical show at Animal Kingdom. You didn't see the the puppeteers like you do in that one, but it was you know a shorter version of it singing the songs with with puppets, also neat. And then in 2003, it became the Mickey's Philharmonic that we know now. So I was a little bit surprised to find that that had been there that has been there for 16 years now. Yeah, so. I think that this show, I guess is what it is, is underrated. I love it. It's like one of my favorites and it never is busy. It never needs a fast pass. This is something that you can always just go to when it's hot or you're like, okay, the lines are long everywhere else. And you just did the people mover or carousel progress, or you want something more interesting than carousel progress. It's just fantastic. The plot involves Mickey or Sorcerer Mickey. He's the conductor of the Philhar Magic, and he leaves the theater to solve a mystery. And so in his absence, Donald attempts to take charge, and that is just not a good <laughs> thing. Of course. And it features an odd collection of Disney characters, mainly from, I would say, the 80s and 90s, for sure. But there are other others as well. Yeah, I mean, it was, well, it hasn't really been updated since 2003. So it was kind of all those like late 80s, early 90s. And and maybe that's why I like it because it's so much of my childhood embodied in one show. You see Simba and Ariel and Jasmine and mm-hmm. Belle and it's just, you know, combined special effects and it's in 3D and you get the smells and, and water, water effects. Water. It's just great. I really highly suggest the show. I don't know how you feel about it, Brian. No, I like, I've always really liked the show. It's not one that we do a lot. Like this is kind of one that we'll do like once per trip kind of usually. Yeah. And like you said, it'll be the one where it's like, oh boy, it's, you know, it's starting to get hot already. Hey, all right, let's go do film magic. Right. But no, I like it all. My only complaint about it is that the film is starting to get really beat up looking itself. And I've heard that the California Adventure version is beautiful. Like they completely like remastered the or, or upgraded the the projection at least. So I'm really hoping that they do that with Send the over a magic copy one or soon. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I, I think doing that would make it even better. But yeah, they actually have um you know, I won't ruin them if, if people haven't seen it yet, but they actually have like in theater effects that happen. Like, you know, at one point you do have to kind of turn around and, and look at something behind you. It's uh and uh you know the screen seemingly changes sizes at mm-hmm. one point it's it uh it really uses the space well and it's something that Walt wanted for the movie Fantasia when it came out in theaters you know he wanted people to come down the theater with flowers for people to smell and and those kind of effects but you know obviously they wouldn't do that in every theater so it really uses that and and it's so neat i i really highly suggest checking it out it's open for morning and evening extra magic hours Fast pass is offered. I, I wouldn't suggest using it. Either of the No, don't do you don't that. need to do it during extra magic hours and definitely don't use a fast pass on it unless you don't have anything else to use it. Right, for. right. Unless everything's busy. But um definitely, definitely worth checking out. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Meeting Merida at Fairy Tale Garden, that is basically right when you walk into fantasy land it's that same path towards the cheshire cafe it's just right. it, it would be right it would be your that. first left the, the little path that goes up towards the castle again uh she's kind of right in there in a little garden that was previously occupied by quite a few people i know i know bell they used to do like a story time with bell there and uh rapunzel was there for a little while but merida has been there since brave came out which was like 
2012, 2013, something like that. She's been there a while. I did not know that you could meet her bear brothers there, the um, animatronic bears. I had no idea about that till I read this. Yeah, I assume that's still there. It was at one point. I think they still do that where kind of on the stage with her, because the way it's laid out, it's a, it's a pretty cool meet where the line kind of wraps into this garden. And while you're waiting, they'll do like little archery lessons almost with the kids. Um, you know, of course, like big blunted arrows, because I have a couple neat pictures of my daughter, like with one of the cast members showing her oh, how, yeah. to, how to pull the bow and everything. And then you kind of walk up on stage and you can meet Merida and standing like kind of behind her are like, this is like a wagon with her three brothers as in their bear forms. And they just kind of turn their heads and, you know, she turns and talks to them and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but they don't really do much of else. And I think that's still there. So I, I apologize if it's not, but uh, Merida is definitely still there. Yeah. It's always busy. I mean, every time I've walked past, it's busy. People yes. are waiting. So get in line early in the morning. If you want to meet her, she's definitely worth meeting. I've met her once at a character breakfast, which she wasn't normally there for. She was subbing for Prince Eric. And mm-hmm. she is my favorite princess that I have ever met. And that is saying something because I am like a huge princess person. Yeah, she's just fabulous. And you can uh, remain in a wheelchair or ECB to meet her. But that is something I suggest doing if you get the chance and you love meeting princesses. She's just, she's very good. Yeah, and with that one, I would suggest if if you can be there like, 15, 20 minutes before she starts meeting for the day. She usually doesn't start right when the park opens. A lot of times it'll be about an hour, you know, 30 to to 60 minutes after the park opens. But, you know, ask cast members when you go into the park, what time she starts meeting and then get there like 15 or 20 minutes early and you'll be able to get through there pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you can be waiting there for, you know, an hour or more. Yeah. Cinderella Castle. So this Brian, isn't really an attraction. It's more of a walkthrough, I guess, a very short walkthrough. Even there, it's not. They do the the Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland. There is an actual walkthrough that you can do that tells the story of Sleeping Beauty. And that is great. We do not have that on the East Coast. I wish we did Mm -hmm. because that would be great. Basically, what it is, is it's it's, it's probably four. Yeah, I mean, you, you walk through a hallway which has four or five murals. Mosaics, actually, yeah. Yeah, they're mosaics, yeah. and and I I went on a tour, and I believe they're made out of like plates, or I I don't know. It's just like they're meticulously they're, done. They're crazy. Yeah, they're they're so nice, and yeah, you can kind of look if you go into Cinderella Royal Table, you'll you know the restaurant, you'll see a lot more of the castle that way. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is in there where you can get the children done up, in, uh, you know, as as princesses and mm-hmm. things. So. It's not really so much as an attraction, but I just felt like we had to we had to mention yeah, it because it's the castle it for sure. And um, there are ramps to go through, you know, to go up and through, so you can remain in a wheelchair or ECV for that. Mm-hmm. It does close at certain times. Brian, did you mention that for the show? No, I, I didn't. Yeah, anytime there is a show on the castle stage, the stage in in front, they will not let you walk through the castle for. I don't know exactly what the timing is, but for a little bit before and after, because obviously the characters and everything have to kind of come out that way. So you can still get to Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique and the restaurant, but you have to walk kind of around the castle mm-hmm. and come in the back way to do that. So it is closed way more often than than I think most people would like because they do a lot of shows there. So. Mm-hmm. 
I would suggest if you really want to take a look earlier in the morning is usually a, a better time to kind of, yes. kind of stop and look because it's almost always open first thing in the morning. And I did get some footage of those murals in my review of Cinderella's Royal Table. So I will make sure to include that when I put that out for you. Very nice. All right. Prince Charming Regal Carousel. This one has a very interesting history. It was the carousel itself was built by the Philadelphia Toboggan Company, which is a heck of a name for a company. And it was built in 1917, known as the Liberty Carousel. And it was in Belle Isle Park in Detroit, Michigan. 1917? 1917, yes. Uh, At some point, and it doesn't seem that most people don't seem to be sure when, it was moved to Olympic Park in Irvington, New Jersey. And I believe that is where the Walt Disney Company found it and purchased it in 1967. Mm. They sent it from New Jersey to California where all the horses were were stripped and repainted and given a, each one was given its own unique design. Disney added things like 23 karat gold leaf, silver, bronze to all of the horses and added scenes inside for Cinderella's story. And it was placed in the Magic Kingdom in 1971. Although up until 2010, it was it was known as Cinderella's Golden Carousel. Disney won't really admit it this, but the, all the stories I've heard is that it was changed to Prince Charming's Regal Carousel to try to make it uh, make Fantasyland just a little bit less girl centered. <laughs> I don't think it made a difference at all, honestly. I don't think it made a difference, and and I'm not sure that. Because I'm not sure that boy, if, if boys didn't care before, they're not going to care now. And uh, yeah, anytime we try to rename stuff just for boys' advantage, it always kind of hits me the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> like doesn't matter. Yeah. It's open for morning and evening extra magic hours. It has a very slow loading and unloading speed. We oh, yeah. we never do this. I think maybe my kids oh, have done it we once. We always do it. Do you really? Yeah. We. I've never been on it. I think I might have only been on it once because I don't, I can't, even spinning at that speed, I can't really do that well. But the kids know the rules. Like if we walk by and the line is crazy, they're not doing it and they don't even ask anymore. But yeah, if we walk by, if it's, if it's a day where we were there for like extra magic hour or if we have some good fast passes and it gets to, you know, like 10, 11 in the morning and we walk by and there's not much of a line, then they're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, all right, fine, go ahead. So, yeah, we'll end up doing it a couple of times per trip usually. Like, it's just, it's one of those things they just enjoy for whatever reason. I find carousels a little on the boring side, but they do not. Really? Yeah. My I mean, kids have maybe done it once with their aunt and uncle, but we've never done it. And, and maybe it's because we have a carousel at our zoo. Yeah. And at the Mall of America. But yeah, they never, they've asked, but um, yeah, they've done it once. And uh, you need to transfer from a wheelchair ECV mm-hmm. to do this attraction. Yeah, they do have like the little benches that don't, you know, aren't horses. So like there are places to sit like, mm-hmm. for real, but yeah, you have still have to kind of get up on there. So Yes. Let's see. There's still a couple more. Oh my gosh, I'm getting tired of talking. There's a a lot of attractions in this section. I know, this is why we couldn't do all of Fantasyland at once. Right. Okay, Snow White's Scary Adventures, which turned into Mm -hmm. Princess Fairy Tale Hall. Yeah, very, very drastic change. That, like, complete Um, opposites. Yeah, Snow White's Scary Adventures was an opening day attraction, although it was, uh, I believe, it definitely wasn't called Scary Adventures. I think it was Snow White's Adventures in 1971. Or. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's true or if they, because uh, this was another attraction that was uh, kind of brought from 
Disneyland's Fantasyland and made mostly the same. Mm-hmm. And it was Snow White Scary Adventures up until 2012. So fairly recently. Very recently. As I'm sure many people here have, have ridden or hearing this have ridden it. Yeah. I certainly had many times. Snow White was a, a dark ride that was basically just the story of Snow White. It was kind of one of those older, clanky rides that was, it was kind of what I was talking about with Peter Pan before, where it still had that charm and nostalgic, nostalgic value, but really didn't have that much of a line. So, uh, and it still doesn't in Disneyland. It's still there. And it gets a little busy, but it's always kind of one of the last Fantasyland attractions to get busy. So Mm. I kind of get it, even though people weren't thrilled about this, I know. And then 2013, Princess Fairytale Hall opened. And uh, when you want to tell us about Princess Fairytale Hall, Princess Fan over there? Yes, this is where you meet a lot of the princesses, if other than, I guess, individual standing posts or... um character meet or character uh, dining experiences. So inside there are two grading venues and each hold a small reception area for two princesses. Right now uh, you can either meet Cinderella and Elena of Avalor, which is a TV show based, or Rapunzel and Tiana, which are my two favorites to meet at a time. And there are signs outside which tell you which line to get into. So that makes it very easy. And around five to 10 guests at a time are admitted to each greeting area. And there's plenty of time for you to interact with the princesses and to get a photo and a hug. My kids have, well, and myself have always had a great experience and plenty of time, like I said, with with them. And, you know, if you're a little unsure, the princesses are great about bringing you over to the next one. They're just, they're very good. This yes, is what I'm yes, trying to are. say. And and I know that you can meet Anna and Elsa at times. I haven't seen them lately, but I know that you no. could do that at one point. No, well, ever since, because now you can meet them at Epcot right. all the time in the Norway Pavilion. So ever since then, they kind of They just moved. They, they, yeah, they, they don't have them nearly as much in Fairytale Hall. In fact, I'm not sure if they, not sure if they're there at all really anymore. No, but, I didn't um, see their signs. Um, I did meet them at Magic Kingdom once, but. Yeah, so have I, but it was, it was a couple of years ago, so. Yeah. If you want for the princess meet, like it, it's nice. It, uh, much of the line is is inside. It's air conditioned. Mm-hmm. It's kind of themed like a castle. The meets are continuous here. They don't. There's no breaks, so the line does you know at least move continuously, even though it is a little slow because they, they do spend time with with each person. It does stink a little bit if there's like one princess you want to meet right. and one that you don't really care about because mm-hmm. then that's always real. We've, I've been in those situations where it's really awkward and you're standing there going, oh, so Elena. What do we talk about? Cool. Hey. <laughs> um, just waiting for like Cinderella to to open up, you know, and, and they can tell when you're doing that and they're just like. Eh, and when you don't really you know them. Picture? Yeah. But, like, you know, the cast members are good about letting you take pictures with your phone mm-hmm. and your camera as well as their own. The queue is cool from the perspective that there is a box that has Cinderella's glass slipper in it. So that's a great photo opportunity oh, yeah. for you to take while you're waiting in line. It's open for morning and evening extra magic hours, but honestly, just use a fast pass. It's so much faster. Yeah, the fast pass is very quick. And, and yeah, that, yeah, that's the way to do it. And you can stay in a wheelchair or ECV for this meet and greet. All right. So, no, I was going to say last one, but we've got we got two more. Right? Huh? All right. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride 
and Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. This Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was my one of one of, if not my favorite attraction when I was young. Mr. Toad's was a, a, yet another opening day attraction that came over from Disneyland's Fantasyland. It is like Snow White, still in Disneyland's Fantasyland, and I ride it. I love riding it there. And when I'm out there for Galaxy's Edge, I will probably not ride many non-Star Wars rides, but I, this is one that I will I will go on by myself because I, I still very much enjoy it. This brings back a lot of memories for me. It is not the greatest attraction in the world, uh, honestly. It is a dark ride with kind of sudden turns. Like you kind of move along slowly and it looks like you're going to, you know, quote unquote, crash into something and then it turns quickly. Mr. Toad is is driving you wildly, I suppose. Magic Kingdom's version actually had two tracks oh. and each were slightly different. So it wasn't you know, where Disneyland just has the one track, one ride. This is the only attraction that I can remember where the last scene is you in hell. You, die, you you get into a car accident and a judge sentences you, a, a like cosmic judge sentences you to hell oh and you God. go there and it's very warm. Yeah, it's it's wild. The, the, I didn't even mean that pun, but I'll take it. I was uh, waiting to see if you'd like make a joke about that. So uh, yeah, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride closed in 1998 and in 1999, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh opened in its spot. Wow. I need to go <laughs> back to Disneyland more than ever now. I am just like sleeping on all these attractions that I haven't been on. Like the Matterhorn, never been on that. Uh, uh, that. I, Matterhorn, I, I can't really deal with. That beats the crud out of me. The the uh, the Alice in Wonderland one. I, I like that one a lot. I yeah. haven't done that. I've just done like a ride through of that. I've never been to Disney California Adventure at all. Oh, yeah. We got to get you out there. I know. We do. All right. So go ahead. Tell, tell us about Winnie the Pooh first. Okay. So Winnie the Pooh. You are basically riding through a book of Winnie the Pooh. It's it's a picture book into the Hundred Acre Wood where you encounter all of his friends, Piglet, Eeyore, Owl, Rabbit, everyone, and it's a very blustery day. And you even go through a very trippy dream sequence with the Heffalumps and Woozles. Oh, yeah. It's it's a little crazy at one point. You're like, what is going on? And a lot of kids actually get a little creeped out by this by this part. There's some movement, some bouncing around with Tigger. And it's an interesting ride for the most part, I guess. I mean, it's just not what you I, expect when you're going in, I should say. You think it's going to be a kid's ride, and then you're just kind of surprised halfway through. It's not quite your typical dark ride. And, and as much as I, I loved Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, I really like The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And it, it's probably a better ride than, I mean, I, I don't. I'll, I don't think I'll ever like it as much because of, of going on Mr. Toads as a kid. Mm-hmm. But just from a, the standpoint of actual like ride quality, I think Winnie the Pooh is, is better because the ride vehicle does actually move a little bit. It, it will, it does bounce when you're in the scene with Tigger. It does this cool rolling float thing when you're, there's a part where you're in the flood where the temperature in that room is actually like 15 degrees cooler than the rest of it. So you go into this flood, it's a little darker, it's cooler, and your honeypot is just floating a little bit. And that's, to me, that's what what makes this ride a little bit better than than some of the other dark rides is that, that it gives you a little bit more activity than you just, than just rolling through it. Yeah, you really wouldn't think that it'd be the craziest ride. You'd be like, oh, it's for kids. But no, I mean, 
Oh, I know a lot of adults that like this ride. Yeah. Oh, this is this is one of them that if you even if you don't have, you know, if you don't have kids with you, you don't need to do the carousel or any, you know, something like that. But I think you should do many adventures. Yeah, yeah. definitely give it a try. It is open for morning and evening extra magic hours. Fast pass is offered. The best time to go though is before 10 a.m. or in the two hours before closing, I would say. You must transfer mm-hmm. to a wheelchair. And from there, you can go right in. An audio description and handheld captioning is available for this attraction. Yeah, and Winnie the Pooh is kind of a secondary, like a second level busy ride. Like it's not one of the top, it's not one of the rides you should go to first Mm -hmm. or, you know, even in one of your top, you know, three or four attractions probably. Like even in Fantasyland, you'll want to do Seven Doors Mine Train and Peter Pan first, but uh, if you have fast passes for that stuff, or if you're splitting the Magic Kingdom into two days, Winnie the Pooh is a good one to go on. You know, one of the first couple attractions because once it starts getting a line, it, it gets a pretty decent line. Mm-hmm. I would agree. All right, last attraction, another original one here, and it's the one Brian and I will probably never go on. You, yeah, Mad Tea Party. Yeah, it's uh, what I wrote as my my single note here. It's the teacups. Yep, that's all you really that's need a- to know about it. But <laughs> I hear. That if you get there early in the morning, like right before Alice comes out, no, like if you get there right early in the morning, Alice will come out and ride with like the first few people in line. Really? This oh, is, I didn't know yeah, that. this is what I hear. And I saw this happen with some people, um, someone who I follow on Instagram. Yeah, she'll ride with like the first three kids in line, which is kind oh, of man. cool. There's really not much else to say about it other than you can turn the teacup yourself and spin as fast or as slow as you want. And I almost threw up on this and I was not spinning that yeah, fast. I can't I can't do spinning. So yeah, my wife and kids do these a lot. And I will we you know, mentioning the characters riding with you, um, they you will occasionally see characters on the carousel, actually. You will see Cinderella, uh, her stepsisters I've seen on there. Uh, I saw on the one in, in Disneyland, I saw Tiana and Prince Naveen on there once. And just kind of random times, they'll be walking to or from a meet and just stop and ride the carousel. So that's always a fun thing to see. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I mean, it's open for morning and evening extra magic hours. FastPass Plus is offered, and you must transfer from a wheelchair or ECV. The best time to ride is before 11 a.m. or after 5 p.m., and this past Halloween, they actually did a bit a bit of a holiday or a Halloween overlay where they, I think, changed the music a little bit. A little bit. So it wasn't mm-hmm. anything crazy. And the lighting was, the lighting was, you know, more more purples and things, but uh, yeah, the the... Tea Party is a weird one because the the line will kind of fluctuate. Like I, I've been by there midday and it'll have like, you know, a 10 minute wait or something. So it's one of those kind of like we said with, you know, Small World where you just kind of check every once in a while and see. It might be that you won't have to wait all that long to get on. Yeah. My wife and my kids once got... Got, we're on it when it started pouring rain oh my and I ran into uh, the nearby cosmic rays and they just, rather than run through the rain to get there, they just kept riding. So them and, you know, a dozen or so people that stayed there were just rode. I think they rode six or seven times in a row. It was, oh. even, my, even my wife was, was a little bit dizzy for a while after that one. Oh, I did. I mean, I did slinky dog dash twice in a row at the after hours event and that was making my stomach turn like this, that I would be done for the night if, if oh, I did yeah. that. 
All right. And that's it for the attractions in this yeah. section, finally. I know. I know. We did Where it. Where we at? Finish up with shopping. There is four places to find merchandise in old Fantasyland. First one being Fantasy Fair, which is just to the right of Mickey's Philhar Magic, the entrance for that. That's just a real small one, yeah. Yeah, just getting hats and Mickey ears, pretty much. Castle Couture is a good place to get anything princess-related. They have behind the cashier desk a full-length Sleeping Beauty gown that kind of goes between blue and pink. It's, it's beautiful. And then you'll hear the, the three fairies talking throughout the store, which is really great. Sir Mickey's is cool because you see a beanstalk outside of it. Have you noticed that? I don't think. I I mean, I'm, I kind of probably have noticed. I don't know if I ever actually connected that that's what it was. Oh, yeah. No, I always thought that was neat. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see that. I'm looking at the picture now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I've noticed that there. I just don't know that I ever. Bo- both of these shots, Castle Couture and Sir Mickey's, I know exactly where they are. I'm not sure I've ever done more than just blow through either one of them. Like, I just, my kids aren't big shoppers, mm-hmm. um, even for souvenirs and stuff. And we've just never really looked through them that much. So I didn't even know that you just said about the fairies talking and stuff. I did not know any of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a browser because I like, you know, pretty things and princesses. And so Castle Couture is definitely one that's nice to look through. Sir Mickey's I'm not as familiar with, but I definitely like the outside. Um, It leaves people wondering like, what is that? Is that just a store or whatever? And you just get hats and apparel and accessories there. And finally, 100 Acre Goods is everything Winnie the Pooh related. And it's right next to the wizard or the Winnie the Pooh attraction. Yeah, it's it's the exit for many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. So it is the very t- the typical exiting through the gift shop, which I always, you know, Disney actually is starting to kind of get away from the exiting through the gift shop thing, which is nice because one of the things that always annoyed me about that is even if you are trying to look at stuff, you're just constantly getting hundreds of people walking through the shop, right. and it makes it very hard to to actually look at anything. So. It doesn't really seem to be that great a plan, but yeah, well, and harder for the cast members to help people who are actually shopping. Yeah, yeah, but but they are starting to get away. You know, a lot of the newer attractions just don't have. It's funny they older attractions don't have the gift shop at the end, and a lot of the newer ones don't either. So yeah, they figured it uh, out. Yeah, because even the uh, what we will talk about next time, Seven Doors Mine Train, there is no gift shop really at all for that Mm -mm. they did they they got there but that i think that's it we don't have anything else do we no that wraps it up great Fantasyland. if you have stuck with us for that long thank you so much for listening if you have anything to add we will post our social media handles in the show notes but in case you're just listening brian is yes that brian on twitter i am angela dahlgren and then you can always follow us everywhere on social media at touring plans be sure to use Mm -hmm. the hashtag hashtag TPPOD. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that really helps us out, gives our channel visibility. And yes, I hope that you have a great rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.